here we are. Start of a new season. It's still kind of a crazy time, isn't it? Globally, while there's been great progress, we're still in the midst of a pandemic that has restructured so much about our lives. On top of pandemic fatigue, add the political polarization and interpersonal challenges resulting from the past 18 months, and many are entering this year exhausted and discouraged. Locally, in Minneapolis, most children started school this past week, and with the district's redesign, many students braved a new school. Others of you parents dropped your children off at college this year, and you are receiving brief snippets here and there to let you know how your heart is doing outside your body in another state. And of course, as a church, today is the start of a new season for us with the commissioning of our intentional interim pastor. I think I speak for the whole staff team when I say we are encouraged by what Rich will bring to our team and to this community. Even as we recognize some in our community may still be grieving, leadership changes. And finally, there's you personally. Some of you are experiencing transition and changes, some of which may be positive and exciting, a new pregnancy, a new job, a career change, some of which may be difficult and challenging. So when I learned I had today to do a standalone sermon apart from a series, I thought, is there a text that can help with all of that? <laughs> Indeed, there are many. This is the goodness of God's word. I actually had a top 10 list, so if you don't like this sermon, you can ask me about the other words of encouragement God has for his church. But for today, I want to focus our attention on a text that's likely very familiar to you, Psalm 23 which paints a beautiful picture of God as our very good shepherd, our attentive, tender, faithful, competent shepherd, as well as generous host who is more than willing to guide us through all the joys and challenges of life if we would just let him. I'll read the psalm first in its entirety so it's fresh in our minds. Then we'll go through it line by line since the imagery used is not very culturally familiar to us. I hope that by the end of this sermon, you'll see why Psalm 23 is more than just a good funeral or memorial text, though it is that too. The words will be on the screen or follow along in your Bible, or you may just want to close your eyes and listen to the words. Hear now the word of the Lord from Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and mercy or love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This first verse summarizes the entire psalm, and everything else unpacks what this means. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. 
Now, it's not apparent to us, but to the ancient ear, my shepherd would stand out. That's because shepherd was generally used to describe God's role over all of Israel. But here, David the psalmist substitutes Israel's shepherd for my shepherd. This is part of what makes the psalm so enduring and so comforting for so many. The image the psalmist portrays in these poetic lines is some of the most comprehensive yet intimate metaphors for God in the book of Psalms. If you've ever read or prayed the book of Psalms, think about some of the other images used to depict who God is. Rock, deliverer, fortress, refuge. All of those are true, but none is quite as personal as the shepherd image. A rock is solid, but a shepherd is relational. A shepherd lives with the sheep. A shepherd tends to the sheep. A shepherd leads the sheep. A shepherd protects the sheep. It's this deeply personal connection the shepherd has with the sheep that's so winsome and compelling to us. It makes us want to follow him. In fact, it makes us willing to give up everything if we just have him. For when the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Now, in our consumer capitalistic society that depends on making us feel constantly discontent, it's hard to imagine feeling satisfied. But in what follows, the psalmist is going to make the case for why having the good shepherd is sufficient. Verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. The first way this shepherd cares for his sheep is he nourishes them. He provides for them. He gives them what they need. And he does so in abundant and attentive ways. Let me explain. Our beagle dog, Copper, follows many commands. Sit, down, shake, dance. The English translation here makes me lie down sounds as if the shepherd is giving commands to a dog. Sit, lie down, roll over in green pasture. But sheep don't do tricks. The Hebrew phrase isn't intending to convey a use of force. The Greek Old Testament probably translates it better. He settles me down in green pasture, or he rests me. Kenneth Bailey, a Middle Eastern New Testament professor who spent 40 years teaching and living in the Middle East where there are still active shepherds and flocks, observes sheep only lie down when they have had enough food and drink and when there is no fear of a predator. They lie down when they are fully satisfied, when all their needs are met. But the shepherd doesn't only nourish abundantly. He does it attentively. He's aware of the sheep's limitations. Sheep are afraid of running water, even if it's shallow. Again, Bailey describes how Middle Eastern shepherds today will sometimes dig a little side trench off a stream if the water is moving fast, so as to provide a channel with still water for the sheep to drink from. Our shepherd, my shepherd, your shepherd, knows our limitations and fears, and he will provide what we need so we can rest. Green pastures, quiet waters. So here's a question. 
If you and I have a shepherd who wants to nourish us and provide for us so abundantly, so attentively, so competently, why don't we let him rest us more? Why are we often so frazzled, over-caffeinated, under or poorly fueled, checking out where the grass seems greener on the other side? At the start of this pandemic, many of us welcomed a slower pace, regular walks with spouses, an unhurried bedtime bedtime routine with children. And I wonder, at the start of this year, are there still green pastures and quiet waters God wants to give us as nourishing gifts? Maybe you'll want to keep that habit of a 10-minute walk during your lunch break to talk with God about your day or some other routine you developed. What other pastures and quiet waters he gives you, receive them when they come. Part of being human is being finite. We get tired. Our shepherd doesn't drive us to exhaustion. He wants to rest you. He wants to fill you until you are satisfied so you can lie down in peace. Will you let him? So the good shepherd nourishes his sheep. And as verse 3 says, he guides or leads his sheep. He restores my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Now, can we not all agree that it's hard to find our way in this world, especially now? This past year, the right paths were not always clear. If you've ever hiked, you know that most of the time, the trails are well marked, but sometimes... You can still lose your way. Maybe the path looks fine initially, but then I get further in and I realize I'm at a dead end or I'm going in a completely different direction than I intended. The really good news for us this morning is that we need not rely on our own sense of direction or signage to navigate our way through life. We have a shepherd who knows the paths and he will guide us if we would just let him. 2021 is a year of transition, not just in our church, but in many churches and organizations. Some of you are considering career changes or relocations. Some of you are determined to declutter your lives and maintain the simple lifestyle you found this year. Some of you had big decisions before COVID, and you still have them waiting for you. I want to encourage you. Our God guides us along the right paths for his name's sake. He's got skin in the game. Remember, name in the Bible often refers to one's character. God's own honor and reputation are on the line. He's a good shepherd, and as such, he doesn't lose his sheep. He gets them where they need to be. Sometimes we wonder when we're wrestling with a difficult question, am I going to be able to hear God speak to me? I have been comforted by one pastor's response to that. Our confidence is not in our ability to hear, but in God's ability to speak. He has a reputation to uphold. He has character that is unchanging. He will lead and guide for his name's sake. And we can have confidence he will do that despite the fact that we wander off track. Verse 3 begins, he restores or refreshes my soul. Now, to our modern ears, and because this phrase is often linked back to verse 2, where he's feeding and resting us, we tend to think of that phrase, restore our soul, as a sort of recharging spiritual batteries. 
But in fact, the phrase may be better translated, he returns me, he brings me back. That's how this verb is translated in other Psalms, to return or to repent. The phrase is less about a spa day for the soul and more about helping us get back on the right path when we wander off and get lost. I'm told once a sheep knows it's lost, it hides under a bush or rock and begins quivering and bleating. The shepherd has to hurry and find it before a predator does. Often the sheep is too traumatized to walk, so the shepherd has to pick it up and carry it home. So Jesus' parable in Luke 15, when the shepherd finds the lost sheep, he joyfully picks it up and carries it on his shoulders home. Sometimes I wander off track because I'm clueless and I haven't noticed I'm off track. Sometimes, if I'm honest, it's deliberate. I think I know a shortcut or I want to check out the path and the view on that path. Friends, the really good news is that when we wander away, either through our own stupidity or disobedience, the Lord hears our bleats and carries us back. He will restore us. He will bring us back to where we need to be if we would just let him. But that certainly doesn't mean our paths will always be easy. Verse 4, even though I walk through the darkest valley or the valley of the shadow of death, and this can include any period of trial, not just the final one of death itself, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The shepherd nourishes, guides and leads, and now he protects and comforts his sheep. Many commentators have noticed the shift in the pronouns at this point in the psalm from the third person impersonal, he, 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 in verses 1 to 3, to the second person, you, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In our darkest moment, our shepherd is no longer ahead to lead us, but alongside to be with us and comfort us. Or as one writer put it, the darker the shadow, the closer the Lord. But he is not just alongside to listen empathetically and soothe us. This shepherd is armed. Yeah, he better be. Sheep are no defenses. They have no claws. They have no sharp teeth. They don't even have speed to outrun their enemies. As my husband likes to say, they're meat in a sweater for predators. They are completely dependent on their shepherd for protection from harm. And so the two weapons, the rod and the staff, come in handy. The rod is helpful for external threats. It's a mace-like club, often with pieces of iron at the tip to fend off oncoming predators. This is what David, our writer, says he used in 1 Samuel 17, 35, when he describes how his career defending sheep from lions and bears is a great resume builder for fighting the giant Goliath. And the staff, this tall, crooked walking stick you've seen in just about every nativity scene that includes shepherds, is helpful for the internal threats. Shepherds use their staff to grab a sheep by its leg or shoulder if they've gotten themselves stuck in a thicket or about to fall off a ledge. 
In every part of our journey, our good shepherd is right beside us and he is equipped with resources to combat both the external and the internal threats. Now that's a shepherd worthy of putting our trust in, don't you think? Some of you I know are in a dark valley even now. A loved one has died. A health diagnosis has been confirmed. A dream has been unfulfilled. A major life change has surfaced yet another layer of grief. The good news for you today is you are not alone. He is with you. He longs to comfort you. Will you let him? As if the image of a shepherd who nourishes, guides, and leads, protects, and comforts isn't enough. Verse 5 switches the metaphor from tender, competent shepherd to generous host. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Now, it's one thing to survive an attack of an enemy. It's another to triumph over him. But that's what's depicted here. Anointing a head with oil may be weird to us, but those first hearing this psalm knew culturally only the guest of honor got anointed with oil. Made with olive oil mixed with perfume, the oil not only appeared the, approved, improved the appearance of the guest, but it also helped reduce odors. Think pre-indoor plumbing. We see this in Luke 6:47 when Jesus defends a woman who has anointed him with oil and she's getting hammered for it. Meanwhile, the Pharisees haven't done a thing to honor their guest Jesus. So here the generous host honors or vindicates the guest. If he was misunderstood before, the record is finally set straight. He gets the seat of honor in front of his naysayers. He's finally vindicated. And with such lavishness and extravagance, no one can miss it. The food is all you can eat. The cup never runs dry. Now, we don't know the specific background that prompted the writing of this psalm. But we do know David's life was marked by pursuit of enemies. And at least initially, a resistance by others to God's calling on his life to kingship. David lived many years waiting on God and trusting that God would settle the score at the right time. That's why so many Psalms reference this. Here's just one from Psalm 91. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. When enduring a difficult season, We can have confidence our God sees and knows all. Nothing gets past him. He will exercise justice and honor and vindicate in his time. We don't have to try to do it ourselves. But it gets better. Recall that in the Bible, who you eat with matters. Not just because hospitality was valued, but also because it revealed who mattered to you, who you were in relationship with. This is why Jesus was always getting in trouble, because he was eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners. And so this meal is not just honor and vindication, but an expression of welcome and acceptance. 
As verse 6 says, this is not just a one-off event. This is a welcoming into the home forever. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That verb followed needs to be escalated in our minds. It really means to pursue, like a bounty hunter pursuing his target. So picture David being pursued by his enemies, looking back over his shoulder to, make, to see if he's managed to shake him. But instead, he and we turn around and discover who? Goodness and love. They have caught up to us. We cannot outrun them or evade them. Like a child discovering for the first time they can't shake their shadow, you and I can't shake God's goodness and love. They will always overtake us and lap us every time. Thanks be to God. Friends, the reminder for us in whatever we are facing at the start of this year is we are sheep in desperately need of a shepherd. Oh, I know. We may be CEOs or social workers, accountants or engineers, singles or students, or whatever other layer of identity that's partially true of us. But underneath it all, we are all sheep, vulnerable, defenseless, dependent sheep who are prone to wander and as a result, prone to fear and bleating as well. But we are not sheep without a shepherd. In fact, our shepherd is attentive to our needs and will provide for us and rest us. He knows the best path and will gently nudge us toward it when we lose our way. He comes close to us when it's so dark we can't see and protects and comforts us. He honors us in front of our naysayers and vindicates us. We don't have to fight those battles. And... He welcomes us to his table, overflowing with goodness and mercy in his home forever. So the only question for us today in the face of such a good shepherd is, will we follow him? Will we let him shepherd us? If you'd like to let this shepherd be your shepherd and lead you through this year, let me offer just a few final suggestions. To those of you who are new to the sheepfold, either because of this pandemic or life change has prompted you to reconsider faith, we are so glad you're here. My encouragement to you is get to know this good shepherd. How can you trust him if you don't know him? Start by reading the stories about Jesus in the Bible. Any one of the first four books of the New Testament would be great. Jesus himself says in John 10, 3, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep by name, and they listen to my voice. You can get to know his voice by reading the Bible. You can do it alone or in a small group. You will be nourished as you do so. To those of us who've been in the fold for a while, maybe we need to remember to put our hope and trust in God during times of uncertainty. If we are unsure the path forward, let's ask him to make it clear. And let's be confident in his ability to speak because of his faithfulness. Let's yield to the crook of his staff when he gently prompts us to change some behavior or pattern we know will not lead to flourishing. Let's slow our pace 
to fall in step with his pace where he may be leading. And when anxiety threatens to overwhelm us, let's imagine putting our little hoof in his hand, for he knows the way to green pastures and quiet waters. Finally, some of you may just need to be held by this good shepherd. It's a hard time. It's been a long year. Like a baby chick with its hen, snuggle up under his wing and take refuge. Like a child with a loving parent, climb into his lap and let him comfort and soothe you. He loves you. You are not alone. Even when you cannot see him in the darkness, he is with you. How do I know? Because Jesus himself says later in John 10, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And shortly after saying those words, that's just what he did. What greater love could there possibly be? Jesus, our shepherd, knows the way. He has walked this path before us. He will lead us all the way safely home. So let's put our hope and trust in him in this new season. For indeed, if he is our shepherd, we shall not want. Let's pray. Oh, our God, thank you so much for your word, for this beautiful image that can speak to us. And we pray by the power of your spirit would continue to speak to us this week about the reality of who you are. Give us eyes to see that, that that may be enough. We pray in Jesus' name and for the sake of his name. Amen.